The Hoop Collective is brought to you by Goodyear, helping you discover the road ahead. Goodyear, more driven. Reminder, coverage of Game 6 of the NBA Finals starts at 8 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio, which you can also watch starting at 9 p.m. on ABC. Relive one of the greatest icons and most successful teams in sports history. You know who I'm talking about. Michael Jordan, the 97-98 Chicago Bulls. Stream the Emmy and NAACP Image Award-winning series, The Last Dance, on ESPN+. Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective Podcast. We talk about the NBA, and I'm home just for the briefest of times. I've been in Vegas. I'm going to Tokyo in two days, but... Squeeze this one in. It's uh, it's Monday afternoon, late afternoon. Joining us from Milwaukee ahead of game six of the NBA Finals is Tim Bontemps. Howdy, guys. And joining us from Dallas, Texas is Band McMahon. Howdy, partners. Admire your persistence to, to get to the home front today, Wendy. We're all proud yeah. of you. Well, another writer who I uh, who was, who was covering Team USA in Vegas, uh, Flew to Hawaii today to spend a couple of days before going to. Not a bad, uh, I, not not a bad way to spend a two day layover. Yeah, and I, I came home and my my first flight got canceled because of a belligerent passenger, and it totally screwed my travel day. So I think he's got me on this. I one. think I think you should say another belligerent passenger to specify that you weren't <laughs> the one who caused the problem. I'll tell you, it took a lot of restraint to, uh, from a lot of us to not take matters into our own hands. Um, so uh, I know the finals are going on, and when this publishes, it'll be game day. And obviously, that was um, that's amazing. But there's some other stuff going on in basketball, and I thought I would come to you, gents, to talk about before we get to the finals. So um, I've been immersed in Team USA for the last 10 days, and um, obviously it's so unusual for Team USA to be happening parallel to this. It's sort of a surreal world. Um, but I have to say, like, Last night, last night to me right now, Sunday night, the U.S. beat Spain. It was a, it was, it was. They played their best basketball in the second half that they've shown, and um, it was at the Mandalay Bay or the arena at Mandalay Bay, and there was about maybe eight or nine thousand fans there, which is pretty good um, for any exhibition game, particularly um, sort of an odd time on the calendar, and the fans were so into the game, chanting for you. You know, when they came back, they were chanting. Um, Keldon Johnson, who was just promoted to the roster, had a great game and he fouled out. He, he fouled out with his fifth foul. He had no idea he fouled out. They had to sort of tap him on the shoulder and say, <laughs> Keldon, you only get five and FIBA have a seat. Um, they gave him like an ovation Like they were really, really into it. The women played, um, before the men and they, they had a really good crowd at that game. People are at least anecdotally on the ground in Vegas, really into this team. And this team is having real challenges and so i just wanted to start there uh, so zach levine who has been one of the the positive stories of training camp one of the things that has been very clear to me i asked pop about this last night and of course he brushed it off because if pop doesn't like the question he can just brush it off and he can get away with it other coaches can't but whatever um uh the players who are younger and who didn't play in the playoffs or didn't play as much the guys who have played the least basketball in the last two years, they have much fresher legs and you can just see it just mm-hmm. so obvious. Keldon Johnson looks just so much more active. Zach Levine, who like in comparison to like, 
Jason Tatum has right. played way less basketball. He looks he looked great. So he goes into protocol. So the Team USA flew to Tokyo. I think they were scheduled to leave at one o'clock Vegas time um, on Monday. They had eight players. And one of them is JaVale McGee. That's not the way you want to be traveling to Tokyo for the Olympics. <laughs> uh, by the way, they had a, I mean, they obviously have support staff, coaches and everything. And the women were traveling with them, but they had a seven, they had a 747. <laughs> and they're taking eight national team players. Uh, literally a third of the team is still here in the States. Um, so Bontemps, um, I don't know. You probably haven't gotten a chance to watch him because you've been traveling with this team uh, with the finals, but um, this is going to be, this isn't just like, oh, Americans aren't prepared or they don't care or whatever. They, they, this is a real, real challenge that's about to happen, and it's going to happen right on the heels of the finals. The finals could end Thursday. Team USA starts on Sunday. Yeah, no, you're 100% right. And we, we talked about this a little bit last week. You know, you look around these international teams, and these are no longer the Americans going up against a bunch of guys who – are overawed by playing them and, you know, maybe just seeing them on TV and that's it. I mean, you're talking about teams like Spain, Australia, France. Um, they're full of NBA players or guys like, you know, in France's case, Nato Decola, who spent a bunch of years in the NBA before going over to play in Europe and is arguably the best player in Europe now. So these are teams that have guys that are not phased by playing the stars on the American teams. And on top of that, there are also teams that have had these guys back with them year after year after year, in some cases for, over a decade, in some cases, two decades. I mean, it watching, I did get a chance to watch that game on Sunday night and seeing Pau Gasol out there running pick and rolls with Ricky Rubio. I mean, we were watching that literally 15 years ago and these guys are, are back playing together again in the Olympics. I mean, it's Lu Luis Scola is still getting buckets for Argentina. He that's right. Luis Scola is still getting buckets. Yeah, uh, I mean, he's played for them for 20 years. First off, so, Scola, Scola is ripped for 41 year old. He's ripped, and he was the best player in Argentinian's team when the Americans played him. Well, Luis Scola would be, would be getting minutes for the American team. Dude, yeah. you remember when uh, when France knocked out USA uh, in the World Cup a couple years ago? Scola took it to uh, Gobert and the French dudes in, in yes, the championship game. Then, yes, he did. No, and look, but that's that's the difference, right? Like, in, the American guys have talked about it a bunch. This group of guys has never played together before. And they're coming in after this long season. They play like two pack practices and then they're just getting ro rolling the ball out there against teams like even Nigeria. Those guys aren't rotation players in the NBA. They've got yeah. seven or eight guys who play in the league who are not going to be afraid to go up against a uh, Bam out of bio. I mean, there were three heat guys on the, on Nigeria's national right. team. They're not worried about playing Bam. They practice against them every day. So, you know, you just, it's, it's just not the old, Hey, team USA is going to roll the ball out and win by 30. I, they still should win the gold medal. They still are clearly the best team, but it's not as simple as just throw these guys together and it's going to work because these other teams have all this chemistry and built up history and cohesion that these guys don't have on top of the fact that Devin Booker, Chris Middleton and Devin Bo and uh, Drew Holiday are three of the what seven or eight best players on the team. And they're still playing here in Milwaukee in the finals. Well, plus it's a space jam summer. So LeBron can't take part. <laughs> That's right. Right. You know, that complicates um, matters. So, um, and you made a, you made a comment to it. So you may say, um, why is JaVale McGee? Why did he make the roster? Why wasn't it Trey Young? I know that's been a popular thing. Um, and we asked Craig Popovich about it. And of course he doesn't like the question. So he's, he responds to, it was a logical choice. 
fact, I think he even said Listen, it was the most. I think he even said it was the most logical choice. He, he he's got to come up with a better answer than that because I'm sorry. Well, taking a he, taking a backup center, uh, then put him on Team USA. Can you, don't tell me it's a logical choice. You have to explain I mean, the logic. My 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 answer would be he's the guy who said he would come, and so he's on the team. That would I have be a my, hard time believing Christian yes. Wood said he wouldn't come. Christian Wood, a, a big Christian guy. Wood would have come, but they went with JaVale McGee first. And so, you know, like, here's the thing. Um, Kevin Durant playing in this for this team um, was is, is enormous. Getting Durant's pledge mm. very well could turn out to be the difference between them winning the gold and not. Although he's he's just been OK in the exhibition games, but considering what he's been through and that, you know, he's playing 48 minutes a game or 50 minutes in those, in those games a few weeks ago. I, I mean, I'm not going to judge him in the exhibition games. Yeah. Um, but as a result, he's basically got, I'm not saying he's picking the players, but his input. Well, is good high. With, JaVale McGee is good friends with Kevin Durant and Draymond Green. Right. So Boy, hold, hold on. DeAndre Jordan's got fresh legs. He didn't play all playoffs. What, <laughs> is, is KD not close with DeAndre anymore? He got him a $40 million deal. I mean, you know, I don't know. I want to say this very clearly. I do not know how much of an input that um, Durant had with the Kevin Love pick. Um, but you could make a you you could make a conspiracy there about what could happen with love. Um, and the love pick was a mistake, which um, the first person to admit that was Kevin Love. And he actually did them a favor. Um, in my view, he did them a favor by saying, hey, you know, he said his calf was bothering him like three days earlier. He was saying he wasn't hurt. and He was feeling great. So I don't know. I'm not I don't know what's going on there. But um, I think he looked and said, we can't afford to have a roster spot that is, a, is uh, they can't be played. And so he did them a favor. So they added and, JaVel McGee. But you know what? Like, I mean, I'd rather, with where love was physically, I would rather have JaVale. And so the, the thing is, when you watch his team play, because I know people are like, well, why isn't Trey Young playing? Why isn't Trey Young playing? Well, because they have perimeter depth, of course, it's easy to say that half their, you know, half their perimeter death is sitting in the United States right now. Yeah. Um, because Booker, uh, Booker drew holiday and, and Levine and Middleton can obviously play too. He's more of a three, four in the international game, but that's um, not with them. But what, what's, what's happening, this team is small um, and the teams that are playing are attacking them on the inside. The Australians who beat them just really went after them at the rim and uh, even last night, uh, JaVale didn't play. They went to Mark and Powell at the rim over and over and over. And it wasn't like Mark yep. and Powell had great games, but they were setting up the rest of their offense. And um, I really think they they didn't. I mean, is Trey Young a better player than JaVale McGee? Of course. Duh. Of course he is. <laughs> but they didn't need Trey Young. They have Dame Willard, yeah. who is um, – you know, frankly, because of his, he's more veteran is like a slightly elevated Trey young. They don't need that spot. They needed a guy who could defend the rim because they elected not to go with one. And, and they went with love as sort of one of their centers. And it was, it was a fail. So that's why they went with JaVale. Now, now we could argue about whether it should have been something different, but certainly the, the relationship with Draymond and, and Durant played a role. So, um, so France is Sunday and Pop said last night that they are not expecting 
the finals guys to get there until Saturday. So that's, by the way, that's, that's on the ground Saturday after a six or seven game finals with international travel. He even said, you can't play him. Oh, they're going to play him. You can't play him Sunday. You can't play him Sunday. I mean, I can't. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure they're going to play. Pretty sure they're going to play. Pop even said, I mean, but like, by the way, this is a ridiculous situation, right? Like I was McMahon, talking about McMahon, what choice did, what, what choice do they have right now? I mean, they're, they're down all these guys. They're going to roll JaVale out there. I don't think so. I think they'd rather have Devin Booker and, and Drew Holiday coming off the plane and playing rather than playing JaVale. I mean, come on. Um, always- yeah. So that's what pop said. It's oh, wait, JaVale's tall and can run and jump. Why isn't he as good as Giannis? That's people say that's the only reason Giannis is any good. <laughs> Um, so, so I asked pop, I go, pop, this is ridiculous. This situation is ridiculous. Like not in a way. I mean, like there's nothing you can do about it. It is what it is. Yeah. But like, um, <laughs> you know, I don't think pop has even going back to 2019 in my view, I don't think pop has done the greatest job managing the national team. Um, the verdict is the Olympics and we'll see, but this situation he's got is ridiculous. It's, it's preposterous. And he's, I don't know how you put a game plan together. Um, and so you look at the French, the French beat the Americans two years ago in the world cup. As you guys mentioned, they have Batum, they have Nano DiColo, they have Gobert, they have uh, Evan Fournier who's playing despite being a free agent. Um, they have uh, TLC from the nets. Uh, They're really good. I, they have Frank Nilakina, also a free agent. Um, but they just lost to Japan yesterday. <laughs> yeah. So, so I don't, I don't know what's going to happen, but, um, uh, team USA is going to be a drama. It already is a drama. And, uh, so get ready to shift your viewing over because starting Sunday, uh, which they play in the morning, uh, it's going to, it's going to get interesting in their group. Well, the consistent, no, I was just going to say a consistent through line for all these guys. And we've, I, I've talked to scouts about it. I'm sure you have too, Brian, when you're out there, is these guys are just tired. And same goes for the like France losing to Japan. All these guys have played for basically two years straight. You go to like mm-hmm. Jason Tatum, these guys who were on the World Cup team in 2019, they basically spent the past two calendar years just playing basketball all the time. And they look tired. And you could see, to your point, Kelvin Johnson is a good young player for the Spurs, but you saw him in that game against Spain. He looked like he was playing at two gears higher than everybody else, just running around making plays because he just had – bounce in his legs that the other guys just don't and spain is so old they have a young kid on their roster who i'm now forgetting his name usman garuba he's gonna be able to draft pick this year in this year's draft and there was a bunch of scouts at the game last night um you know it's a big game when mike schmidt shows up (laughs) big game so they have him but the rest of their guys all have gray hair (laughs) spain and the spain is the, the reigning world champs that was a quality win um uh, that, that the U.S. had. They actually look like a Team USA for a while there. Um, but the other thing that's going to be strange about this is that free agency and the draft and transaction season is going to happen while these guys are over there. <laughs> and um, I thought it was... Are there, you know, are, there, are there some things to talk about with that, Brian, with Team USA? Jeez. Well, it got a little less complicated when Bradley Beal, unfortunately, had to leave because of COVID. Um, I felt bad for for brad uh we were talking to him in the you know we had some good access and he was just talking about how much he wanted to do this and like literally the next day tested positive and um 
by the way, he's been friends with Jason Tatum for years. They were really excited about playing together. Yeah. A couple guys from St. Louis. It's just, it's a real bummer. By the way, Brad was wearing a mask, which was important because we were all wearing masks and we were not that far from him. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, you know, we were outside the six feet zone or whatever, but you know, I immediately like within seconds of him leaving, um, went up and like did TV right from where he was sitting. And, uh, we know the Del- I don't know if he had the Delta variant, but we obviously know the Delta variant, nothing to be messed with. And so thank goodness he'd been wearing a mask because that protected everybody, including his teammates. Um, uh, and, um, you know, I've tested negative several times since then, but, um, I wasn't technically close enough to be a close contact, but it was enough to wonder. And so that's, you know, a real thing. And that's a real thing for the finals too. make sure everybody is able to play, uh, for game six or seven. Warm up with the hottest games live with Vivid Seats. No matter the sport, Vivid Seats wants you to get to the games you love. Plus, with Vivid Seats rewards, you can score free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, an annual birthday discount, and more. They're the only ticket company in the game that rewards fans for every purchase. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code HOOP. That's code HOOP. H-O-O-P. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered with over 122 million parts. 122 million. For your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusion supply. Okay, so Bradley Beal's not going to be there. I don't necessarily know if anything was going to happen with him, but it was out there. And then we obviously have the Dame Lillard stuff where there continues to be stories and rumors about him. And he continues to basically give, he has now twice since he's come to Team USA, basically given non-denials about right, he, he's given he's given not yet is what he's given right and and so that's the question the question really is when and and then it becomes where um and so it's when and then i guess how much influence will he have over where um because it is unique for you know the fact that he signed that extension that's just about to kick in um you know we've seen guys push their way out with two years left, but, but, you know, four, that's a, that's a long contract that, uh, you know, and, and that obviously would take away from his leverage, but I mean, listen, it, it very much feels like uh, he is in late stage Minnesota KG territory right now. He, he would, I, I believe him when he says his preference would be to spend his whole career in Portland, but it's just, it's a harsh realization that, Hey, 
I, I've given it my best shot, and there's just not a realistic pathway to the Trailblazers going from a perennial playoff team to a real championship contending team. Even the year they made the West Finals, they weren't a real – I mean, they got swept in the West Finals. So it's it's – obviously, he's trying to put pressure on them to, to do something drastic, but even doing something drastic, uh, it's it's hard to see. Well, it's like you said, McMahon, we talked before the playoffs started, right, about that that series they had with Denver. They're playing a shorthanded Denver team in the first round of the playoffs, and this was a moment for the Blazers to either, you know, make a run and show Dane they're good enough to contend, especially after trading for Robert Covington last year. That was the big move they made, right? Or they were going to lose to a Denver team that didn't have any other guards available, and they were, and it, it was a moment that could be clarifying for Dane, right? And what did he say in that press conference? We lost to a shorthanded Denver team, and that told me a lot, right? Like you look at you look at the Blazers compared to the Suns, compared to the Lakers, compared to the Mavericks, compared to um, to Denver, who they lost to when they get healthy. You look at all these teams; they're not nearly as good as those teams. I mean, and maybe, it's hard you know, to throw see the Jazz the in there, Suns. Right, I forgot about Utah. Right, there's there's several teams in the West at least. And that's for you to get the teams like Golden State, who are probably going to be better next year when they get Clay back if he's and, and, close to and teams that are on the rise. You know, the the, the Grizzlies of the of the bunch. Yeah. I mean, you just, it's, you just it's just. You just look at it and say, how is this team going to be better than first round cannon fodder? Mm-hmm. And it's just hard to see it, which, you know, to your point about the win, like this all seems to be Dame saying, to your point, we're going to want to wait a few weeks. We're going to see what happens at the beginning of August for agency. And if this team doesn't look a lot better, I'm going to have to have some conversation with the Blazers. It feels yeah. like that's what this is coming down to. What happens then, if anything can. And that doesn't necessarily mean, you know, even if he says to them, okay, hey, you know, I, I, I need to, I need to, I need to go. It doesn't necessarily mean it happens before the season. I mean, it, this could be something that, that lingers for a while. People knowing Damon and Lillard didn't want to be important anymore, but you know, they, they can't like, you can't rush into a franchise change, changing trade. And, and again, I'm just, I am curious you know, would they work off of a list of his preferred destinations or would they open it up uh, to all bidders? You know, would they, would they open it up, say, hypothetically, New Orleans with Brandon Ingram and, and, and a bunch of picks wants to get involved there? You know, I don't know if that's a situation Damian Lillard would want to be in or not, but it's certainly if I'm, if I'm Neil Olshay and I, I've, I'm in a uh, place where I have to trade Dame Lillard, I want to, I want to be able to have conversations with the Pelicans because I think that's a, you know, there are deals that could be made that would make sense for the Blazers. So Dame's living in a world where he's watching the Bucks, who made the, the home run trade for uh, yep. for Drew, and the Suns, who wasn't quite the same investment in terms of their future, but it was a home run right. swing trade for Chris Paul, mm-hmm. and um, you know, and, and the Lakers going all in for um, uh, for Anthony Davis. Um, he's seeing these teams make all in moves. He turned thirty one last week. And I think Raptors went and got Kawhi two years ago, won the title. Right. Wasn't a full, um, wasn't a full swing there, but obviously a big time, you know, going for it. You know, it was a big time swing in that it was a one year thing. They didn't right. trade away their whole future, but it was a big time swing. But they traded and, away a, a, a co-star. I mean, DeMar DeRozan right. was, was, you're right. all those, so you're, it's history. all, it's all teams that made big swings to try to go for it. And the Blazers right. haven't to the same right. degree. Right. So he's sitting there. So the Blazers weren't able to trade a first recently, but now that their pick is going to convey, as soon as this draft is over with, they can trade, I believe, 
their next, not next, but they, I believe they have the capability to trade four first round picks. Not that you would want to trade them all in one transaction, but I don't know. Um, and they have some other talent on the roster. They don't have like the, um, the prime player that everybody wants. I mean, CJ McCollum is obviously very good, but if you trade CJ, you're losing your second best player. So the guy you get back better be, or guys you get back better be damn good. So I think Dame is definitely holding their feet to the fire. That is definitely what is happening. So I think the issue for the Blazers is Dame appears to be on the fence. So they're sitting there. Now they don't have any picks in this draft, but they obviously, if they were willing to trade Dame now, they could potentially get incredible assets starting with this draft. Uh, or if they're going to try to go get a player in this draft, they could trade some of those future picks and the transaction could happen later. Um, and then they're going to go into free agency. And if they have to go all out in free agency, obviously they don't have cap space, but they would go all in with their picks potentially to pull something off. Um, you know, I think they need Dame to be signed in. You know, that's uh, I mean, and, and, and you say he's on the fence. I mean, on the fence, I, I don't get the, the vibe that he is straddling the fence. Maybe he's kind of hanging on and it hasn't quite dropped yet. <laughs> but uh, I, 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 you know, I, I think it, certainly the momentum is carrying him towards the other side of the fence. I think Look, that's we've been talking about this. We've been talking about this on the pod for months. Right. Ever since the deadline, we've had this conversation on the pot. And the reason why was because we could all see the writing on the wall in Portland. And I think McMahon bringing up Kevin Garnett, I've always thought that's who Damon's reminded me of in this situation, that he was a guy who, if it was up to him, he would stay in, in Portland his whole mm-hmm. career and would love to win a title there. And has always wanted to win a title there and been committed to winning a title there. But ultimately, he has to decide. He's 31 years old. He has to decide, can I win a title realistically in Denver or in Portland and really have a shot at this? Or do I have to look and see if I can do that elsewhere? And he, he also said that during his Team USA press conference yeah. that he's getting older and he kind of sees the writing on the wall for I thought for everything he, everything he said in that press conference, obviously, if you're a Nick fan, your ear is pressed up against the, the speaker waiting to hear, I want out. Obviously, if you're a Blazers fan, your ear is pressed up to the speaker saying, you know, oh, he said he expects to be back. You know, for somebody who attempts to be a neutral party, I thought Dame was incredibly honest in that. Yeah. Um, where he portrayed a guy who really, really wants to make it work, but is really worried about the, the, the clock ticking. I would just say, though, that the Blazers have a very tough situation here. Mm-hmm. You need Dame to be invested if, because if, if, you're gonna, if you're going with a player on the fence, it affects how you, how you make your decisions. Now, it was interesting the way the Bucks, the Bucks made their move last, I, I always want to say summer, but it was actually in November. Last offseason. The Bucks made their moves, and it may have looked like they were making their moves as a as an effort to get convince Giannis to stay. And I suppose that that wasn't. I mean, that was you know, definitely that was definitely part of the moves, right? But they made those moves with the belief that Giannis was going to play with those players. They traded yeah. Drew, for Drew Holiday, seeing Drew Holiday play with Giannis. And, well, and, Giannis and, Giannis, wanted, and Giannis wanted to play with Drew Holiday. Right. And it was a smart move because it looks like <laughs> it might call, be a Giannis. championship. Yes. Um, more than Chris Paul, quite frankly, is what it sounds like. Yes. happened. That's um, definitely true. So what you need is you need to have clarity of vision that you're going to make these moves knowing that Dame is there. And because you've got him under contract, you know, you know, he's there. But the value of Dame Willard at age 31 with four years on his contract is immense. And I, I, I know that Dame 
if he did ask for a trade, would like anybody would want to have some say, but I don't, and I mean, maybe you could argue that the Blazers would own that. And, you know, you could have a philosophical discussion about that. You just don't see players of this stature with these, with this time on their contract come available. It's, it's, it's almost unheard of because players tend to force trades when they're near the end of their contracts. And, 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 the, and the contract is long enough too, to where maybe if a team isn't on his preferred list, okay, Hey, you know what? Realistically, we we can have him here for two years, and if we have to trade him again, he'll he would still would still have value. It, you know, it's, tell, it's worth tell, a risk to it. And again, Cleveland, I bring up New Orleans. Tell me why Cleveland wouldn't give their entire roster and all their draft picks and everything for him. I see Cleveland. I would say is because they are. It's not realistic to think getting okay, Dame vaults them into it. Where I again, I keep bringing up New Orleans. But I, I'm, I'm not talking it, about Cleveland specifically. Tell me why Indiana wouldn't. Tell me why, right. you know, I mean, I, I don't think Memphis would because Memphis has a young franchise player. But like these well, mid markets, they have a young franchise point guard, to your point. Right. These mid markets that are not going to be free agent players, this is like an opportunity to acquire a player right. that's on contract. This never happens. So I, I, I don't see why these, you know, a whole bunch of these teams aren't just literally throwing their entire portfolios on the table if this happens. And I don't see how a team that's nearing a championship, which, which is what Lillard wants can compete. If it's, if it's a, if it's a, you know, a flat, a square deal, in other words, it's not showing favoritism. The one, the one part of this that you're leaving out is that Dame is owed about $200 million over the next four years, and he is 31 years old, and he is a small guard, and there is some risk in trading for him that the back end of that could look pretty rough. Um, and I do think that's going to have some teams thinking, hey, does it make sense for, like, say Cleveland, right, just as an example, does it make sense for the Cavs to go with everything they have to trade for Dame Willard to then have him on the team with nobody else and kind of be a – you know, maybe make the playoffs team or maybe be even worse than what Portland is like that. You could, you could paint a scenario where that doesn't make a lot of sense for them, but to McMahon's point, whether it's a team like New Orleans or, um, you know, whether, you know, any of these teams that are good or close right. to good, like look at Toronto, Toronto was the fourth pick in this year's draft. Does Toronto say, Hey, we'll give you the fourth pick. We'll give you a bunch of other stuff. We'll get Dame and have him with Fred Van Vliet and Siakam and these guys and we'll roll forward with that. Like there's it because of the years on his deal to McMahon's initial point about, how much control is Dame going to have on the situation? There are a lot more teams that are going to be in play than the typical, like, I want to go to A or B. I have 18 months left on my contract. I'm just not going to resign there. With four years, there's a, there's a bigger window, but there are still some hangups that I think could keep some teams out of the mix. But it's it's going to be a wide-open frenzy for him because you just don't have top 10 players in the league, to your point, Brian, come on the market with four years on their deal and okay. potentially be let available. Me ask, let me ask you a spot, Tems, because you're good at seeing this stuff. What move do the Blazers have in them? <sighs> I mean, is I mean, Bradley? I mean, is 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 Bradley Beal like? Let's say Bradley Beal asked to. I mean, let's say Bradley Beal asked to be traded. He's got one year on his contract. Can yep. they go all in on a guy with one year on his contract? I don't. You know. I mean, I mean I they, think, they may be able to acquire him, but I don't know if it's a smart move. Yeah. I mean, look, they they're they're pretty low on assets, and they're pretty low on guys they can actually trade. I mean, the the move everybody yells about is got to trade C.J. McCollum. They got to turn C.J. McCollum into a better player. But that's they're sort of in the same position that the Toronto Raptors were in, going back to the Kawhi trade, right? They had Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan. They had a really good backcourt. 
but they could only get so far. They're a first, second round team. They got to the conference finals once, got blown out by LeBron. We're not a team that anybody thought was a real championship contender. Well, they got an opportunity because of the unique circumstances surrounding Kawhi to take a home run swing on him. And they figured, hey, if he, if, he stay, if he comes here, maybe we can win a title. If he leaves then, no big deal. But we're not going any farther than what we have. And maybe there's a scenario where they can find that type of player. Bradley Beal is an interesting comparison in that standpoint because he is on a short-term deal. And if you could turn, turn C.J. McCollum and some stuff into Bradley Beal, that makes your team better. But they're, they're in that kind of position where they, this team's ceiling is what it is. And there's only a couple avenues they can go to maybe get better. And – there's not a lot of guys like Kawhi Leonard in the league. So well, other people right. will bring up Ben Simmons. Uh, CJ for Ben, you know, I, I don't know that that vaults you in the contender status. That's a deal that I think makes sense. I think at, at this point, uh, you know, Ben Simmons value is as low as, as it's been, obviously. So maybe that's a deal you can make without, um, without mortgaging the future in terms of, giving up a ton of draft picks. Um, I still think it has to go a bunch of draft picks. I mean, CJ, CJ's, yeah. a, CJ's a really good, CJ's a really good player. CJ's also making 30 something million dollars the next couple of years. I, I don't see that as a value contract really. Um, so, I mean, because for kind of the same reason that Portland's in, right? Like he's a, he's a really good complimentary player, but he's not a guy that you look at as being a guy who's going to be a frontline guy in a championship team. You know, if you look at look at these teams that are playing in the NBA Finals, he's not as good as Chris Middleton and Devin Booker. He's a clear level below those kind of guys. So, you know, if you're the if you're the Sixers who are trying to get to the NBA Finals, and Ben Simmons is your one big trade piece at this point, are you trading him for a guy that's a level below him? Well, and it's I mean, not like CJ McCollum helped his trade value in the playoffs either. It just wasn't as spectacularly yeah. disastrous and on his, you know, he did a, he, he stunk on NBA TV. <laughs> ben, 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 yeah, Simmons, well, ben Simmons stunk for the world to see, you know, let's I be mean, honest. They just, lost to a team with, they just lost to a team with all their guards hurt. Right. And they're, they're and, and CJ, CJ really struggled. Um, yeah. you know, CJ the, played the, the best basketball of his career the first two months of last season though. On, on, yeah, for sure. Before he got hurt. Uh, you know, the thing, on Beal, obviously, that is you're, you're going to have to take a huge swing to get Beal. There, there's no because it's not like I mean you'd be bidding against all kinds of other franchises, obviously. And well, at I this point, just, to be clear, the, the Wizards have shown that neither side there has shown any real willingness to move on. So, right, okay, whether whether yeah. it's Beal or a, a huge swing on 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 whoever, if you're taking a huge swing to try to appease a star who you're afraid is going to force his way out, I would look towards the Rockets just as a warning. Okay? They took a huge mm. swing on Russell Westbrook, and, uh, and a year Keep later, going. a year later, that the bottom fell out, and you know everybody was gone, and you're left praying that the swap rights don't, uh, <laughs> don't bite you in the ass. Yeah. Yeah. And which, yeah. you know. Hey, at, at least they're in a full-fledged rebuild now. But you want to talk about going from, uh, you know, trying to, okay, hey, we made this move. Okay, this is what our star wanted. A year later, he's gone anyway. I mean, I think the difference is that if the, if the, if the Blazers do make a big swing, I think Dane would be – I don't think there's any issue with Dane being committed if there's a guy that's going to be wanting to stay there that he is cool with them getting, right? I don't think it's going to be – but, but if they get knocked out in the first round anyways, that, that, no, it's, it's not. not about Dame wanting to leave Portland. We understand that. It's about him. Right. Like you said, he's 31 years old. He realizes he only has 
you know, optimistically say three, four years of prime left, although Chris Paul is 36, whatever, but you yeah. know, he, he, he's looking at his basketball mortality and, and, you know, at some point it's okay. Loyalty's cool, but man, I just want a realistic chance to contend. And so, you know, they take a huge swing and there's still a first round exit, which is a very realistic possibility in a Western conference. Yeah. I just don't know that it, it necessarily changes much as much as it just pushes, you know, kind of kicks the can so as we, uh, down the road a year. As we've talked about, this is why it's complex. This is why Dame is such a, it's, it's such, it's such a delicate and nuanced thing. It's just not simple, which is why he mm-hmm. um, is, is clearly conflicted about it. Yeah, and, and and look, it's in no way, shape, or form any kind of uh, negative reflection of his character. I don't blame Dame for you know. I believe I don't everything blame he Dame says. for anything. Nothing, no, I be- he and said- I believe I believe everything he said. He really wanted yeah. to be a one franchise guy. Yeah, and and look, you know, you can look at Giannis, and Giannis committed to the Bucks, and he's about to get rewarded with a championship. It looks like it's one thing to do it at twenty six. It's another thing to By do way, it at, at, at 31. That rumor from Henry Abbott comes out in the morning. And within, I don't know, 90 minutes, Dame is scheduled to speak on the record mm-hmm. to the media. Yeah. Um, and because uh, he had said, if, you, if you're going to hear something, you're going to hear it directly from me. And um, that was, <laughs> I, I was certainly uh, pleasantly surprised. And then he handled it right out of the gate. He just like, let's get the questions over right now. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call or click Ranger.com or just stop by. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Before we go, I do think we should look into game six. Um, uh, so, you know, uh, McMahon, that sometimes Bontemps, uh, he's known to make a prediction, a bold prediction or two. And he, he's kind of an anti-Windy in that way. That's true. Sometimes he's big wrong, but sometimes he's big right. And um, he pretty boldly said he thought the Bucks had this figured out. Uh when did you when did you think that was the case, Bontemps? You you you've thought the Bucks have have been in good position here for a while, even though the Suns were awesome in Game One and Two. You've been on that train. And... Figured out after Game Two. We got a saying down here in Texas: the sun shines on a dog's ass every once in a while. <laughs> well, the the Bontemps face is very bright right now. Put it like that. <laughs> um. So. Fun. That, uh, you know, championship teams uh, historically 
they there's a there's a road win that happens mm-hmm. where you're just like wow sometimes it happens in the second round you know sometimes sometimes it happens in the finals but a road win happens where you're like how uh, like that elevated them to another level and that was the kind of win that that uh the bucks had and um you know, there was a whole bunch of different things. You know, we talked to Nick Nurse on our crossover pod after the game. And Nick's instinct was that, you know, there's a lot of basketball left. But as I watched it, I should yield to the coach. That's why we have him on. But as I watched it, um, I think some of the stuff that Milwaukee has going, it's just going to be hard for Phoenix. It's just uh, going to be hard for, for the way that they're, the game plan that they've developed, that Bud has developed through this thing, it's it's pretty good. Well, an old dog Bud Bontemps did say, I think last week, that if all three of the Bucks stars play well, it's the it, the series is a wrap, and that's what happened in Phoenix at the night. You know, Giannis by his standards was kind of ho hum, ah ho hum, thirty two nine and six. Uh, Middleton was, was great, especially. And then that was the Drew holiday game, right? That game is why they gave up all the picks and the swaps and, and made Drew holiday the priority. That was an absolutely dominant two-way performance. And he made if, if the bucks close this out, the first play, everybody will think of after the series, 10 years from now, 20, 30, 40, 50 will be him ripping Devin Booker on one end and then throwing the lob to Giannis for the for the exclamation point alley-oop uh, on the other end. I mean, it was, you know, that's why they went out and got Drew Holiday. Didn't the NBA announce, I, I may not have this exactly right, that there were 50 million 50 views million. of that play? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just an million. unbelievable play. It, it's, you know, the, the cojones factor of a throw in the pass, but just like when he... Booker goes in there and, and and Giannis and maybe I forget I forget who was the primary defender. DJ 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 was guarding him. Giannis, Giannis comes over to help. Right. There's there's a yep. wall. He spins out of it. Holiday times it perfectly. Gambles now. Booker, you know our buddy Tom Haderstroh has pointed out Booker does not have a fourth quarter assist in this series. So you know a a gamble with good odds, but gambles comes off a of, comes off a of Chris Paul right a huge spot and and just times it perfectly. Rips away when he made that steal. I, I screamed, Wow! <laughs> Much less, so did everybody. Up the so floor. Did everybody on press row in Phoenix, yeah. and then Giannis that. runs about. He looks like Usain Bolt running down the floor. Uh, and just an absolutely spectacular play. I mean, he, uh, you know, think of where Giannis was for him to beat everybody down the floor at six foot 11 uh, after playing 40 whatever minutes. I mean, the guy's—he really is just an absolute. It is—it's so strange the way Giannis um, looks winded early. Yes, but then stamina. LeBron has well, he's talked just about so this. amped up. He—he's so—he's so, he's so oh. amped up in, for these games. It's just—it's really just that he just gets LeBron, so into the game. He has to take a second Le- to catch himself. LeBron has talked about this for years. You know, he calls it the second wind. So he comes out in the game and he, um, you know, he plays and he feels like he tires himself out and he just sort of has to wait until, you know, he's, he would say, I got to catch my second wind. And that's, it's, it seems that way. I mean, I know he said he had to go to the bathroom, but come on, you looked at him. He clearly, he clearly was just 
yeah. you know, hyperventilating. He wasn't, he wasn't having to go to the bathroom. Yeah. No, he was just, he was just amped up. And look, this, to me, this series to me was simple from the beginning. Giannis is the best player by a country mm-hmm. mile in the series. Right. So, and he is, once we, once we knew he was healthy after that first game, when he kind of just casually had 20 and 17, as he wasn't really trying to push it in transition, you knew he was going to have a big game every game. So to me, this very simply came down to the Chris Paul and Devin Booker could dramatically outplay Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday, which the they did the first two games they, they did, they the did in game, which they did in game two. And remember Phoenix went 20 for 40 from three point range in that game and got 17 corner three point attempts and make 10 of them, both of which are completely insane. Since then that matchup has either been in the Bucks favor or it's been even every game, no matter. And for as well as Devin Booker's played and he's played great. He's no better than Chris Middleton. They're the same level player. And Chris Middleton's been just as good. Mm. And Drew Holiday is the best man-to-man defender in the league at the guard spot. And the reason this series has turned is because after the insanity in game one of having Chris Paul guarded by P.J. Tucker, which didn't make any sense, they put him on Chris Paul. And Phoenix's offense has become the Devin Booker show. And as good as Devin Booker is, he's really, really good. He's really, really good. When he is just scoring and making these tough Kobe shots, their offense bogs down and gets stagnant, and their team does not well, play as well. This is a little bit. This is a little bit crude. What I'm about to say, but like the way Chris Paul's played, especially in the second half, it reminds you of the Ricky Rubio point guard Suns, where it was all Devin Booker, and and sometimes they won, but a lot of times they lost. You know, because Chris Paul hasn't been an, hasn't been a playmaking difference maker, especially in the second half of these games. Yeah. And, and, and and so and, the thing and, is. He, he keeps denying his hand is an issue. And I mean, it's, 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 you know, it's hard to, to tell how it affects him. Until he pulls but, a LeBron and shows up to the post series press conference with a cast on. Well, <laughs> I think, look, I mean, I think, but, but I, you I can look at LeBron's, you, you can look at LeBron's stats in that series and see the downward curve. And if you look at Chris Paul's stats in this series, there's a downward curve. Yeah, and, well, and think, except for turnovers, and those things spiked in, in three yeah. straight games. Which, look, Drew I, Holiday has a lot to do with that. Yes, he does. And that's what I think it is. They, they, have, they have been pushing Drew to pick him up full court these past few games. And you can just see as the game goes on, Chris just gets tired. He gets worn down. Like, people don't realize that watching at home, Drew Holiday is a really big guard. Oh, he's, he's a, a linebacker. Big, he he's built like a linebacker. And like you, if you watch him on offense, like Devin Booker is six five. He's a big guy. And Drew Holiday will start like banging into him and kind of backing him down into the lane and scoring. Like he he moves around anybody that's guarding him. And he's doing the same thing when he's picking up Chris Paul and just banging him and banging him and banging him and banging him all the time. Like there's a reason Chris is only playing 35, 36 minutes in these games. These are yeah. really hard physical minutes. And those guys for the Bucks. Are, have just they they're the reason that they're in this position those, those guys matching the sun's guys because again Giannis is up here and Giannis is getting whatever he wants and so for the suns to win they've got to make threes which the bucks have taken away since game two and they need Devin and chris to play out of their minds and for as good as devin has been chris has not been as good and they're going to both have to play that play really really well they're gonna have to make a ton of shots if they're going to come in here and win this game six on uh tuesday night and even Jeff Teague, they, when they put him in the game in the first half, and it, it doesn't always work out. Oh, no, 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 His assignment, his assignment, the reason, the reason they got him out there. 
is because it's, it's a bad decision. The reason that the reason I got him out there is to be a goddamn target for the other team. Well, so, but the, I the know. Bucks but almost the, lost game five because they had Chris, the Jeff Teague out there in the first quarter for seven. They got minutes, down by ninety seven points. That's right. They I just know, completely but, was like, "Hey, Jeff Teague, we're going to go with Jeff Teague every single play. You know what? We're going to score every single." Play. I know, but when Montez is going to blow his microphone out, I know. he's so fired he up. He is. I know. <laughs> But well, when you watch, I mean, I watched Jeff Teague not be able to play for the Boston Celtics to get benched for Peyton Pritchard, and now he's in Game Five of the NBA Finals in the first quarter, being trying to guard Chris Paul and Devin Booker. Like, I'm right, sorry. just calm that down for work. a second. It backs up what you were saying. I if know you it does, watch, but it still is a bad idea. If you watch the way Jeff Teague plays, he has obviously been instructed to bump the hell out of Chris Paul all the way up the court. That's too. correct. He is not as good at that. We know that's not breaking news, but you can tell that even when Holiday's out of the game. They want to make Chris Paul feel the physicality. It doesn't work as 100%. well, but you can see you can see that's the way it works. Hundred um, percent of the time, they're doing that. Whenever Chris is on the court, they're banging him every second. And they're they're trying to target him as much as they can defensive and trying to get him. Whether it's switched on to Middleton, which he just shoots over him, switched on to Holiday, which that's when he goes in his his bully ball, I, back I, him down. I, I kind of want to go back. Um, I kind of want to go back and address. Bontemps saying that Middleton and Booker are on the same level, but yeah, I just don't have time. I don't have time. Middleton's why been a great have, closer. Why don't, have, why don't we have time? Because I have to be places. Because I have to be places. Because wow. he has wow. a life. Wow. Hey, he's got two days at home till he hits to Tokyo. I know you've been on the road for a while, but your wife doesn't want you around anyway. <laughs> um, I mean, there have been times in this series where Chris Middleton, I said the other night, he, he's like, He's morphed into Scottie Pippen at times in this series. Um, I have no problem saying Chris Middleton, Devin Booker are, are similar players. I, I think they're both terrific Booker, players. Booker's, Booker's a better player. Booker's a better player. Uh, Booker, Booker I mean, is, Booker's, Booker's can, putting up 40 a game these last couple games. And, and yeah, you know, they, they've Middleton lost. Had 48 a game before. <laughs> On 33 shots. I mean, he, got, he was great in crunch time, and he's been great in crunch time this series. By the way, pl- pl- can people please stop saying Middleton should be considered for Finals MVP if the Bucks win this? Like, just stop well, it. We're not, we're not gonna, we're not gonna entertain that discussion. But I, I do, I do real quick want to talk about Giannis. And um, we talked a ton about him last week uh, going into Game Four about how like kind of locked in he's been. And Brian has used the the, the Matrix moment uh, metaphor comparing to LeBron a couple different times during these playoffs. And the Matrix being is around him, That's right. <laughs> Being around him these past couple series every game and seeing where he's at mentally, especially in the wake of the injury, like it's it's been really fascinating to watch him in these press conferences, which uh, I know people can watch him on TV, but mm-hmm. we're actually able to be around the players again. And to see him every day, he comes in and he's just unbelievably relaxed. Doesn't matter if they win, doesn't matter if they lose, doesn't matter if it's practice day, whatever. He comes in and he's engaging. And he's loose and carefree, and isn't isn't caught up in what's going on. And he's wise. He he he's he's the he's continuing the centuries long tradition of wise Greek philosophers. <laughs> I mean, that's like remember Dirk uh, McMahon. He would come in in that series against the Heat, and he would take the the microphone. He always does. He take the mic. Yep. Take the microphone off. And he he lean back, and he just like okay, let's he's hold just, court he's here. He's just chilling. <laughs> now, honestly, they're basketball wise. Obviously, they're they're completely different players, but there's so much about Giannis that reminds me of Dirk, just in kind of yep. his his personality, his mentality, his approach. 
there's a, there's a kind of a genuine humility, obviously, you know, the, the loyalty, uh, there's really just a lot of, he, he, he just reminds me so much. And obviously I was around Dirk on a regular basis covering him, but Giannis from afar reminds me so much of Dirk for all those reasons. Um, you know, again, not basketball, completely, totally different players, but just in terms of that, even their background, you know, these guys both, neither one of them played like high level basketball in, yep. in Europe. They're both like, you know, second, third division guys, kind of these unknowns who, ooh, they're the, the mysteries of the draft. Um, yep. they're, they're, they're just so similar just in the way that they are the faces of these franchises. Um, you know, it, it's, and I honestly, be honest, it, he's, he seems to be a very easy guy for for people to root for but despite that i feel like he he gets hated on a lot well then the thing the thing that stood out about him to me he does remind me of dirk too tim even in the, the journeys had right the playoff mm-hmm. disappointments he's had and the, the rough moments he's had but the thing the thing that's been so interesting about this run having covered them in the playoffs the last two years when they lost within the bubble into the raptors the year before is this whole team when they would get in a tight spot would hyperventilate and collapse Oh, that, that was their thing, right? They would get in these moments and they wouldn't handle it and they'd, they'd freak out and they would lose. And the difference with that the last couple of years to now is the way Giannis is approaching things. And as the leader of the team, you can just see that kind of calm, collected sense of we're going to figure it out. It's going to be okay. doesn't matter what the situation is. We're going to stay in the moment and do our jobs. It's going to work out. That's why they were able to come back and beat the Nets. It's why they were able to overcome him getting hurt against the Hawks. It's why they were down 2-0 against the Suns and came back in this series. It's just there's there's been no sense of panic at any point in these playoffs from this team. And, and there's just, also not a sense figure from it him. Out all the time. Yeah, there, there's not a sense for him of, okay, I've got to take over. I've got to do everything. You know, uh, hey, Chris Middleton's been phenomenal as a closer. A lot of these plays, it's it's Giannis setting the screen and diving. Giannis, you know, kind of creating space from Jan. That, I mean, that's why, that's why I keep saying, you know, it's like Pippen esque. not that he plays the same role that Pippen does, right? but Pippen and Jordan's skill sets fit together just freaking beautifully. Yeah. And yep. I mean, you know, Jerry Krause, you know, went out and found Pippen, but you know, I don't think he ever saw that that was it, you know, it just happened. And I just like, I'm watching the two of them play together and I'm like, Damn. I mean, some people are making, you know, Shaq and Kobe references because Giannis is playing like Shaq. He's not, he's not Kobe, but you know, he's, he is the incredible second star that every one of these teams that has a megastar needs. Mm -hmm. And I mean, maybe some people have done a little bit better at the second star, a little bit better, but not many, not many have have been better than this. And the other thing, too, guys, is like how many times have we seen the team so many times throughout NBA history? Teams have to kind of go through the levels, right? Get in the playoffs and win a game, win a round, win a couple of rounds and kind of work through it. Giannis and Chris Middleton have been together for eight years yeah. here in Milwaukee. And you you see that on the court. Like these guys have been through every single situation together and they know where they're at on the court and they trust each other implicitly to get the job done. It doesn't mean it's always been up, you know. Lollipops and roses. They've talked about the fact they got at for after each other at times during their careers, but they, those guys are just so comfortable with each other and have been through every single possible scenario together. That's the reason why they're on the precipice here. It's like it's all it's all sort of come together for this Bucks team at the right time. And, and they and they've they tinkered around them. Minutes, they're gonna win. Yeah, you know, for they, sure. they had to do a lot of tinkering, and you know we we talked about the Drew Holiday 
uh, deal where they had to go all in on that move. You know, the they went and got PJ Tucker. They too. went and got PJ Tucker. You know, Collinton's been Bobby Portis was a very you know not not a high profile, but that's been a key. Uh, yep. acquisition, you know, Lopez, Lopez off the strap uh, heap, absolutely. Right. You know, he, and he really fits well, uh, with Giannis. The, the other thing about <laughs> that Giannis, Bobby Porras signing, I couldn't have been, I was not that impressed with it. Uh, yeah, especially but, in the wake. Oh, of, I'll be the first, know, to, I'll be the first to say I wasn't either. And he, he's had some big moments for them. A lot, mm-hmm. lot bigger oh, than man, I would have guessed. He's been great for them. Yeah. He's, he's I mean, especially in this series, he's, he's really played some, some we, critical minutes. You know, I always quote Pat Riley when I talk about you play eight and trust seven. Both these teams are in total play eight, trust seven mode. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, Mr. T, well, you're not. The Bucks, seven, the Bucks have but six, they play eight. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, they, I mean, they, they have like six and a half because there's times that Bobby Portis will be out there, and some That's, games they'll have it, and some games they'll very quickly not have it, and Bob will be yanking him out quick. But yeah, I mean, look, it's yeah. it's those five starters and Pat Connaughton, and it would be those guys, Pat Connaughton, Dante DiVincenzo, he's hurt, but that's. That's who they've got. And the Suns yeah. basically have their five guys and then campaign and a little bit of Tory Craig. And that's who they've got. Uh, Cam, Cam just, Johnson. Cam Johnson's. Oh, no, I totally forgot about Cam Johnson. Yeah. Right. He, he's he's 100% there. He's Play eight and really trust seven. That's that's what you do at this yep. level. Yeah. Um, yep. All right, guys. Thanks for doing it. Um, next time we talk, I'll be in Japan. Are you? you you're still going to give us the, uh, the the time of day when you're in Japan? The time of day, it's going to be the middle of the night when I'm. Oh, wait, 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 we, we, uh, you're, you're going to do it on our schedule? Uh, yeah. Seems I mean, unlikely. I don't, Seems unlikely to me. I don't know. <laughs> um, we just found out that we have to do a three day quarantine when we get there, which wasn't a part of the original deal. And so I'm in danger of not being able to go to the France game. It's taking people eight hours to be processed when they land. And this is just what the Japanese are doing to try to keep the game safe. And there are still people infected people getting in so you, you don't want to know the circumstances the, the time it took me eight hours to get processed <laughs> on that note thank you to the hoop <laughs> collective um enjoy game six and we'll t- <laughs> zach Lowe and i'll be on oh, afterwards with a special guest uh, we got a couple oars in the water we'll see who we end up getting and uh, thank you mcmahon and bon Temps. thank you to our producer jackson we'll talk to you later this week. adios amigos ESPN Tournament Challenge is here. And guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now. Making picks, predicting upsets, winning my bracket group, and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind. Hey, you never know. And if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial, you can too. Anyone can bracket. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game. Presented by Capital One.